0: What's up? I'm Bee, and whether you are watching this on YouTube or you are listening to the podcast, I hope you are having an amazing day. Today, we are talking once again about Teal Swan. I have summarized each episode of The Deep End. We've talked about her responses. We've talked about other pieces of media and news that have covered Teal, and now we are at the point where we are going to talk about her response to episode four of The Deep End, which If you've been watching my videos about this, obviously you know that is the documentary all about her and her practices. If this is the first video of mine you're seeing or you haven't seen those previous videos, I would definitely recommend going back and watching them because if not, you're gonna be a little bit lost. Now, in this episode, in this installment, we're gonna do things a little bit differently. Up to this point, I have been going through episode by episode and live reacting basically to Teal's responses to episode one through three, but the thing that I've noticed and the thing that I know y'all have noticed is that all of her defenses in those episodes or in her videos responding to those episodes is just, no, you're wrong. That's not how that happened. They cut that to show me in a bad light. But then nothing, like no, not even concrete evidence, but she wouldn't even give an example to try and prove her point. She would say like, there was so much more context that you guys didn't even get to see. But then she would neglect to provide that context for us. So once we got through her response to episode three, I figured we would do this episode a little bit differently, so it wasn't just so repetitive and me making the same points over and over again about how she's not giving us anything new. And it's frustrating because I I want her perspective. I want to hear her side of the story. I want to be fair. I don't ever want to be that person that's like I have an issue with somebody, and so. They can never be right. Like they can never be justified in anything that they say or think or feel. I want to give her the opportunity to share her side and I would be open-minded to it. But she's not doing her part in sharing what her side is. Again, other than saying that was edited in a bad way or that was edited to make me look like the villain and like blaming the documentary makers for how she ended up looking despite the fact that she said and did the things that they included in the docu-series, right? So anyway, here's how the coverage of her response to episode four is going to be a little bit different. I went ahead and I watched the video. I took down point by point the things that she went over. Unsurprisingly, I was unmoved. So we're going to go over that. And then I will talk about another one of Teal Swan's videos, which is called Deep End Editing Tricks Exposed hashtag release the footage. And we'll get into that more when we get there. So. What did Teal think of episode four? She was not a fan of it. Something that's interesting is that in the comment section of her response to episode four, you can kind of see a shift in how people are responding to Teal. In her comment sections for episode one through three, it's very supportive, very much like these people clearly don't know you, Teal. They have no idea what you do. Keep on moving. Keep going. You're amazing. You're the best. Like you are, you live with so much light. Lots of praise for Teal in those comment sections. Of course, people did still leave comments that were supportive of Teal, but I just want to read a few of them, like the first few that pop up when I scroll through the comments. One of them says, Hey Teal, I can appreciate that the filmmakers skewed and edited things out of context. However, the statements taken alone, regardless of context, are troubling. There are several scenes that speak for themselves and are hard to watch. I don't blame you, I don't judge you, and I don't assume I've interpreted everything correctly. I'm 100% comfortable detaching from my own viewpoints and narrative. All truth is subjective and all lives are one. That being said, from my vantage point, you have a lot more work to do, as do we all. I wish you the best. Another one says, the only thing that really bothered me about this whole series is when everyone sat down in that meeting and went around and told Juliana what they think she is thinking about Teal. And then the extensive list of things written down and read to her was pretty appalling to see an owner of a company do to their employee, especially in front of that employee's peers. It definitely came off as major outcasting and bullying. I really hope before or after that whole part Juliana was able to speak, be heard, and feel validation in her own truth, thoughts, and feelings, as freely as her peers and Teal were to her. I'd definitely like to see that whole part of the footage. Everything else does seem pretty heavily edited to show a specific narrative, so I agree with that, but that one particular incident with that meeting just doesn't sit well. It's okay to give constructive criticism— voice opinions about work performance or how they don't seem like a good fit for the group slash company. But the way that everyone went around and said those things, it screams bullying to me. I hope that changes in the future and isn't done to other employees who aren't fitting in well as an employee. That one got 440 likes. And I'll just read one more. This one says, You tell someone who is clearly brokenhearted about leaving the Teal tribe, someone who has stuck by you for 18 years and sincerely wanted to make things work, a coward and an effing loser. And you wonder why a person may think you're subjecting others to emotional abuse. Teal, the kind of people seeking you are trying to heal from that very kind of thing. There's a disconnect between your emotions and words, which makes it difficult to empathize. I'm not here to judge, but for someone with the level of influence you have to say things like that to people in such a vulnerable place, it is heartbreaking to watch. So clearly you can see people are kind of calling her out and they're not doing it in a mean way. They're not being hateful, but it seems like people are finally kind of recognizing after going through four episodes of her reactions, somebody else even commented like, in these response videos, you see more like the person in the documentary than the person that you are in your healing videos. I'm seeing a disconnect and that's concerning. It feels like somebody pulled back the curtain. Like that was a paraphrase of, of a comment that somebody left. So the tone has definitely shifted in the comment section. And I, I truly, you know, as unrealistic as it may be, I truly hope Teal sees those and does some self-reflection. Okay, so let's now go over the points that she made in her response to episode four. The first thing she says is that the crew came to her house for Christmas and other celebrations without the camera and even used some of her techniques on themselves. And so she's kind of pointing that out to be like, oh, you painted me this way and and, as like such a horrible person as if I'm so awful, but yet you use my techniques you came to my house for Christmas. You sent me videos thanking me for opening my home to you guys and saying all of these nice flattering things. And I've seen some of those videos that the doc crew sent to Teal and like they're blowing smoke up her butt. They're kissing up to her. I can understand why she would feel blindsided by hearing one thing from their mouths and then seeing what is shown in the documentary. But I, I, I would like to point out that Teal says she's psychic. Deal says she knows what you've eaten today based on your energy. She has all of these extraterrestrial powers. She is clairsentient, clairvoyant, clairaudient. Like she is supposed to be so intuitive.
1: So, my story of how I got to this position starts a long, long, long time ago. I was born on this planet with extra senses. So, I'm not just seeing the physical 3D dimensional reality, I am also seeing like a blend of the other dimensional reality. So, I'm the kind of person who's talking about auras, talking about dead people talking about guides and it didn't go well to put it mildly because my parents hadn't come into a spiritual family came into a scientific family and so they didn't know what to do with any of this and unfortunately also my parents lived in a very religious town they themselves weren't religious but they were in a mormon town and rural lds so in that type of a community is this belief that the kinds of abilities that I had are a gift of priesthood, but priesthood only belong to men. So if a woman or a little girl is exhibiting the, the traits, it's a gift of the devil. So I was an outcast of society. And based on that type of stuff that I was doing, I caught on the radar of a person in the community who was a loose friend of the families who wanted to induct me into a cult based off of my capacities and use them for his own devices.
0: So why would she not be able to tell that those things were disingenuous? Cause it- I mean maybe they weren't disingenuous maybe they were really thanking her and they were so happy to be with her using the techniques going over for christmas yada 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 and then later they had a a change of heart or they changed their minds on how they felt about teal possible yes likely i don't know what i think is that they were sucking up to her they were telling her what she wanted to hear so she would let her guard down and let them into more intimate spaces And while I don't know that I would do that, like, I think that's a little bit sketchy. Like, it's manipulative and it's not a nice thing to do. I understand why the crew would be tempted to do that. I understand why the crew would say, look, just tell her what she wants to hear because it's going to make it a lot easier for us to stay in her good graces, get whatever footage we need, and then we can actually have, like, all this inside info, and we can use it in the documentary. And so again, if Teal is clairvoyant, clairaudient, psychic, she can look at you and see if you've eaten gluten today. If she's so intuitive, you would think she would be able to spot people who are lying to her, who are saying the things that she wants to hear in order to get their way. You would think that she would have the skill set to suss that out, and clearly she didn't. So anyway, that's what she started out with and then she goes on to talk about the scene where Blake is seeing his fish dead and in the way they they showed it in the documentary, it seemed like they died on the way to Blake and Juliana's new apartment, but Teal blames Blake for them dying. She was like, Blake left them outside for six hours, so that's why his fish are dead. And like, And I think I'm tempted to laugh because it's just such a ridiculous thing to bring up. Like Blake looks devastated. He looks so sad when he sees that his fish have died. And it's not even like in, that, in the doc, they're saying, well, Teal made Blake's fish die. It just looked like they died in transport from where Blake was living to his new residence. But she wants to be like, actually, it was Blake's fault that the fish died, but you're not going to see that in the documentary. And it's like, Why is that a point that you are taking the time to make? Nobody, nobody's sitting here saying Teal killed Blake's fish. Nobody thinks that. Yet Teal has to bring it up and she's got to kick Blake when he's down, basically. Next, she says that despite how the docuseries presented things, Juliana and Teal could not have ever been romantic rivals because Teal and Blake were just friends. However, let's also keep in mind the context of this. Teal and Blake, okay, yeah, they're just friends. They're not in a romantic relationship. But Blake told Teal that he was still feeling sexually attracted to her, even though he was with Juliana. Teal was flattered by this. Teal encouraged Blake not to tell Juliana. And that's just the information that we got straight from Teal's mouth in one of her response videos. She is the one who said those things that Blake told her he was still sexually attracted to her. She was flattered and she encouraged him not to tell Juliana. Now, based on that and based on everything else that we know and our ability to speculate based on information we have, I don't think it's far fetched to consider the possibility That Teal was using Blake's attraction to her for her own benefit. She was probably playing into it a little bit without crossing the line, like tiptoeing around it and using it to kind of string Blake along and get him to do things that she wanted him to do. As always, I could be totally wrong in that sort of speculation, but just logically, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that is something that happened. Next, she addresses Blake leaving and the scene that was included in the deep end. And so I'm going to include a clip so you can hear what exactly she says from her own mouth about it.
1: That there was a scene in this episode that was concocted as if from pure vendetta. In this scene, I'm in the kitchen with Blake and I'm furious at him. While he's standing there as if he is just taking verbal abuse with a look of shame on his face. They wanted you to think that my anger is because Blake had finally had enough of being treated poorly and had decided to leave and so I was berating him for leaving. Just before that scene, I had told Molly that there are no consequences for people deciding to leave. They clearly wanted to show that isn't true. They wanted the audience to think that I am not a self-aware person because they make it look like I said one thing and did the exact opposite 10 seconds later. But strap your boots on for this one. When that kitchen scene happened, Blake had already left. Remember that he had moved out before Juliana ever got to America? In that scene, I wasn't angry at Blake for moving out. I was angry because that day, Blake did something irresponsible that actually sent both him and Juliana to the emergency room. There are several more reasons why I was angry that the episode did not show. I feel anyone in my shoes would have been furious and anyone who knows the full story would agree. And I'm gonna say it. In the face of those facts, I was pretty damn calm. But they left out those details and edited in totally different events to tell a story that didn't happen for the sole purpose of making me look bad and making Blake look like my victim. Even inserting into the script things I didn't even say during that conversation. Things I said in other conversations in the basement of my house during other conversations about totally unrelated things that had nothing to do with Blake leaving. Also, oh and this one is especially interesting. When I called Blake weak during that conversation, that was taken from a different conversation where I was defending Juliana because Blake did something that upset her at my expense. But on TV, it's shown as an insult I hurl at him because he decided to leave. I need you to assume that anything I said when they weren't focused directly on my face was taken from a totally different conversation and then inserted into the scene where it did not belong."
2: Wow. Okay,
0: so within that clip, Teal says that the conversation is like, a mishmash of a bunch of like Franken bits being spliced together to paint some sort of narrative. And so like they did have the conversation, but it was about something else and it wasn't about him moving out, but it was about her defending Juliana. And just basically the way she describes it is all very confusing, but I'm going to break down how that scene went down. In the beginning of that scene, Matthias is in the kitchen with Teal, Grazi and Blake. He says, okay, we need to make a plan on how to transition your responsibilities, implying that this is about Blake leaving the company. I don't know if Teal is like hyper-focusing on, well, that conversation wasn't about him moving out because he had already moved out. Okay, let's take that as truth. Maybe he did already move out before Juliana even came to the country. Fine. But he was still working with the company and now we're having a conversation about him no longer working with the company. She's, she's completely ignoring that fact. She's saying like, I was defending Juliana because Blake did something irresponsible and dangerous that sent them to the hospital and I was pissed. And also another part of that conversation where I called him weak was because he had done something to hurt Juliana at my expense and so I was sticking up for Juliana. I don't think there's ever a situation in which Teal would be sticking up for Juliana unless it was in order to manipulate a situation. Just point Blake- period. That's my opinion. But back to the conversation. Teal responds by saying that it really pisses her off that they're having to do this, that it breaks her heart, that Blake is breaking the 18 year promise that they made each other where they were on the boat together and that this is what they would be doing. So from that, what else are you going to think it's about other than him leaving? Maybe not necessarily moving out, but him leaving the company. Okay. And I will give her this, the part where she says, I think you're weak, I think you lack honor, like you're a coward, you who chooses a weak path must not become a match to greatness. You don't ever see Teal's face when that's being said. So I will give her that. I will give her the total possibility that that is from a completely different conversation. Still not a nice thing to say, but I understand if that was from something else. And she's like, hold on, you're mixing these things up to make it look like it's something that it's not. However, the next part where she says, if you want to flip a favor on me, like the level of judgment you guys have on me being an effing narcissistic B, then you're an effing absolute loser. Always will be. Remember that. Like Where she says that little little, uh, insult train, you can see her face in the scene. You can see her in the kitchen talking to Blake in the exact same outfit that she was saying that he broke their commitment to each other about how this is the work that they would be doing. It's there. And so are some things taken out of context? Are some things put together to be edited in a way to push a narrative that maybe wasn't entirely true? Totally possible. But at the core of it, there is truth in how Teal treats other people. And she wants to say like, oh, they were using it to show that I don't live by my values because I said there's no ramifications for people leaving. But then in the next scene, I say this to Blake, but Blake had already left. He'd already moved out. Maybe he had already moved out, but he was still involved. He was still in the daily life of the inner circle. And that goes back to the entire conversation. People in the outer circle aren't going to face the wrath of Teal if they just quietly bow out, if they just silently make an exit or become less involved until they slowly disappear. However, people in her inner circle are going to face that wrath. They are going to be spoken to in the way that Teal spoke to both Juliana and Blake and it's caught on camera. It's on film. There's only so much editing you can do to take something so just completely opposite of what is shown and make it believable. If Teal had never said those things, those things wouldn't be able to be used against her in whatever context they're shown. It's it's still like mind blowing to me that she wouldn't look at that footage and say, "Okay, you know, maybe some of it was spliced together." But I did call Blake that. I did say that to him and maybe that's not a super kind thing to do. Maybe that's not the nicest way to treat somebody who I claim to care about. Moving on. Next, she says the clip where she asks Juliana what it would take to get her to go back to Germany was Teal trying to help Juliana figure out what her tipping point was because apparently Juliana was having issues with Blake and having issues being in America. I feel like the angle of episode four is Teal trying to point out cracks in Blake and Juliana's relationship to use those as an explanation, to exploit those in order to make herself look better. Because in the, in the clip that I just showed, it was Blake did something incredibly irresponsible that took him and Juliana to the hospital. And when I heard that, I was like, why would you call him weak? Like, why would you yell at him for that? I don't know maybe you know somebody who did something incredibly stupid and once you found out that like and it injured them and then once they were okay you were like why would you do that what an idiotic thing to do that's the dumbest thing i ever heard i get that response so okay fine but you're saying like blake did something stupid that took him and juliana to the hospital Blake had done something to hurt Juliana at my expense. Blake and Juliana were having issues. And so that's why I wanted to know what her tipping point was so I could help. Blake is the one who killed his fish. It's all putting blame on other people to try and deflect from the things that Teal said and did. She's trying to be like, well, I did say that maybe, but here's the actual truth. But the truth doesn't make sense. Her truth doesn't make sense. Next, she says something kind of ominous. She reiterates that Molly was hired by her, which, Again, we already knew and she says she's not sure why Molly would betray her own client to play a TV personality, but she will find out. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, maybe Molly was playing up her personality for the camera, but like I (laughs) I think she showed that she did what you hired her to do. She talked to people on both sides, people who supported you and people who used to but no longer do. And We don't know what happened to that report. We don't know where they ended up putting it. Molly said, like, I don't think it'll ever see the light of day. I think they're going to shelve it because I didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. But from the little snippet of the findings that we heard, Molly said, you know, I'm here to figure out, do you cause suicide and do you run a cult? Do you cause suicide? No. Do you run a cult? Maybe. And so I don't think that's somebody who's completely flipping on their paying client in order to play a TV personality. It's just her coming and saying, you paid me to find information. Here's what I found. You didn't hire me and under the rug be like, hey, so are you willing to fudge whatever you find in order for it to be favorable to me? Can we make that arrangement? Or can you put together a PR package for me so that way I can have my own stuff whenever somebody accuses me of something? It was No. I want a PI to do this investigation. I want them to find the truth. And so then that way we can have this independent third-party investigative report to present to news sources in order to get the slanderous hate articles taken down. And it didn't work out the way she wanted it to. So now she's upset. And apparently she's going to do some digging on Molly. I like... She doesn't know why Molly would betray her own client to play a TV personality, but she will find out. I mean, if, if your results, if your findings are anything like your rebuttals to episodes one through four, I feel like we're not going to be hit with anything groundbreaking there. Next, she talks about the non-negotiables. A little bit of a refresher. The non-negotiables are things that all of the members of Teal's inner circle have to agree to in order to be a part of the inner circle. And Teal says that her team her little inner circle, they were the ones who came up with the non-negotiables after Juliana wanted, quote, managerial input into how my personal life and my businesses were run, which was not compatible with her entry-level status, end quote. And when Teal didn't like Juliana's suggestions, she got painted as the bad guy. And so my first thought is, okay, so once again, we've got something being blamed on Juliana. Juliana and Blake are the scapegoat of the series in Teal's eyes. You love Juliana, but the whole entire reason the non-negotiables are even in existence is because of her. It's her fault because she's bossy, right? Like she says, I love Juliana. Everybody loved Juliana. Then why do we have a scene of you gathering the inner circle around to tell Juliana how she feels about Teal? And none of those things were nice. None of those things were good. Basically just tearing Juliana down throughout that entire scene. It's like Teal makes a statement like, I love Juliana, but then the way that she speaks about Juliana portrays an entirely different message because in all the things that Teal has said specifically about Juliana, not about like, well, Blake did something mean to Juliana and so I was defending Juliana. Okay, that's about Blake though. Everything she's said about Juliana has not been super nice. Like I would not get the impression that that's somebody that you cared about or even remotely liked from the things that you say about her. And so in this, it's like previously, oh, I love Juliana. I'm sticking up for her, but it's her fault that I have the non-negotiables. She's the reason we had to make those. And let's just get a refresher on what goes into the non-negotiables, just a portion of it as read by Molly, the private investigator and confirmed by Blake. So some of the items on this non-negotiable list are that you cannot put your own family first, that Teal comes first, and if she wants you somewhere, she gets priority. The priority of the entire community is whatever is in the best interest of Teal. Quote, you cannot have personal boundaries that have in any way an effect on Teal. You will now be in the world of fame. This makes relationships very, very complicated and often painful. Your associations are, in fact, your potential biggest liability. Anyone you introduce to the community could turn on Teal, blackmail her, rip the community apart, put extra pressure on Teal or other members of the community. When fame and money is involved, people simply cannot be trusted. Your life is not going to even remotely resemble normal. End quote. So that's an episode three of the deep end. If you want to go back and watch it for yourself, because Molly reads that off to Blake. Blake says, "Uh uh-huh. And Molly continues quote, if you want a normal life, do not choose to be a part of the inner circle. And it goes on end quote. And the thing that's interesting is Teal says that these are in response to Juliana, but Molly asks Blake if he's ever had any issues with the non-negotiables. And he said that he's always been fine with it for the most part And that Teal compares joining the inner circle to joining the military. And then he asks Molly what she thinks of that list. And she says, quote, that most of it is illegal. That was my first reaction. Part of my job here is to try to figure out if this is a cult or not. And then I get this document and it's, I have a checklist that I'm going through saying, yep, cult, cult, cult. I mean, it's all on the list of things that I'm having to use to define what a cult is. And I know this doesn't apply to the outer circle of participants, but there's enough people on this list that it's supposed to apply to that it's um, it's put me in an uncomfortable position, end quote. So the thing is, the way Blake talks about the non-negotiables, it sounds like they've been around for a long time. But Teal is saying that they were created by her team, by her inner circle in response to Juliana's behavior. So maybe because they filmed this documentary for three years, maybe Juliana showed up, she started shaking things up, and Teal's team was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, we're not going to have this. And so then they were in place for like a year before they hired Molly. I don't know. Like I truly do not know the timeline, so I'm just working with the information that I have. But it sounded like when Blake was talking about them that those types of rules have been in place for quite a while. So I'm not sure if, again, the, the timing was just perfectly lined up that those were implemented pretty quickly after Juliana came, and that's why they have them, or if they actually existed before Juliana decided to come. Who knows? But the other interesting thing is that Molly literally says, like, most of this is illegal. To ask people to commit to this is illegal, and so it's put me in an uncomfortable position. But yeah, sure, she's just flipping on Teal for the sake of being a TV personality. Okay. Anyway, Teal goes on to discuss more about the non-negotiables, and she defends the boundaries, set up in the non-negotiables because they are for her core team. And if you don't like it, you don't have to participate on that level. She clarifies that her non-negotiables state that if you want to have a child, you must have your own house, not that you can't have one at all. And that her own employee, Tristan, who we talked a little bit about uh, when I was going over the deep end is in, a, when I was going over the deep end, when I was summarizing episodes of the deep end, I have not fallen off the deep end yet. Um, But she says uh, her own employee Tristan is in a committed relationship with someone who doesn't belong to Teal's community and wants to have a baby with him and everyone supports her even though they're sad they don't get to see her every day now. So I understand Teal wanting to clarify this point, but it also does raise some questions because when they were talking about the non-negotiables of no babies in the deep end, they just said like, no babies. They didn't say no babies in the house. And if they did, it got cut out. But Teal's like, yep, I agree. Like I can't be kept up at three in the morning by a screaming baby. I have to be up. I have stuff I got to do. I got to be turned on. I can't be losing sleep because some kid is crying. And everyone seems to agree on that. One of the girls who's in the meeting says like, all of us here, all of us girls are on the same page. We're not going to have kids. And so in that, it seemed very much like this is the commitment. If you work with Teal no kids. If you're in the inner circle, no kids. But now we have Teal saying, well, no, you can have kids. You just have to have your own house. Okay. But that prevents you from being in the inner circle. So Tristan presumably would no longer be allowed to be in the inner circle. She, in theory, would have to change up her life very drastically in order to have a child. Because if you are in the inner circle, Teal gets first priority Teal gets to tell you where you need to be, how long you need to be there for, what time you need to get there at. Like Teal's needs come first. The needs of Teal's community come first. And that's what your priority is. And you're expected to be available all hours of the day and night. But guess what? You're not getting paid in money. You're getting paid in knowledge. So if you want to have a child, you need to move out and you need money to do so. Apparently, Tristan's boyfriend is not part of Teal's inner circle and i'm assuming this person has a job and loves Tristan and wants to have a baby with her so it makes the transition a little bit easier it makes that path a little bit more clear oh you just move in with me and we figure it out but that's not going to be super easy for for everybody else and that's assuming that they can even build a relationship with someone outside of the inner circle or outside of Teal's community because they even said In that meeting, in the last episode of The Deep End, they were like, we need to push anybody who has a partner who's not part of this community to understand that this community comes first. And so that, I can only imagine, would make building a relationship with somebody outside of the community pretty difficult. And I also, I hate to get this nitpicky, but I kind of question it. This, let me make this very, very clear. 100% speculation. In the scene where... Teal is telling Juliana what Juliana thinks about her and she has everyone go around the room and do it. Tristan is sitting very, very close to a man where it looks like they're kind of like huddled up together. And I assumed that that was Tristan's partner. Like I assumed that was her boyfriend, husband, fiance, whoever. Like I assumed they were in a romantic relationship. So it's interesting to me now to hear that she's in a relationship, a committed one, and she wants to have a baby with this person who is completely outside of the inner circle. I don't know. Maybe they were just like cuddled up together platonically because it seems like everybody's pretty touchy-feely in that community, but I don't know. I just, I made that assumption looking at how they were sitting together, like based on their body language. So I'm like, is this true, Teal? I don't know. Again, 100,000% pure speculation, but There are so many things that Teal says that are not true or that are like twists of truth or have little sprinkles of truth, but largely are not true that it makes it really hard to take her word for something. I also think her bringing this up is kind of a sneaky way to get in another dig at Blake and Juliana because she's like, look, Tristan distanced herself. Tristan moved out and we all still love and support her. We're a little bit sad we don't get to see her, but, you know, we love her and we want her to be happy. So see, it's it's not me. I'm not the reason things went bad with Blake and, and Juliana. It's something that they did because if Tristan cannot be so involved and we can still have a good relationship, but I can't have a good relationship with Blake and Juliana, it's not me because I've proved I can do it with Tristan. It's them. It's something that they did. Next, Teal talks about a scene where she is outside running and this is how she sets it up, okay? She says... She's outside going for a run and then you can hear audio from one of Teal's videos playing as the voiceover talking about not running from your emotions. And she says that they set this up to make it look like she doesn't follow her own teachings because they're the ones who asked her to go for a run so they could film it. And then that's the audio they put over it because you can tell it's like a voiceover. It's background noise. You know it's it's not meant to be her talking in that moment. It's, oh how she's presenting it, how she's presenting it is, oh, Teal says not to run from your emotions, but look at her. She's upset. And so she's running. Again, that's that's how Teal is presenting it. This was them setting her up to look like a hypocrite. But for comparison, here are my notes verbatim what I wrote down when I was watching that scene and how I presented it when I went over it when I was doing my summaries of each episode of The Deep End. Quote, next we see a back and forth of Teal outside running next to one of Teal's live events, and before the event starts, it appears they're playing one of Teal's videos where she talks about how your emotions need to be expressed energetically so you can get them out. Otherwise, that energy will sit in your body and it will rot. She says you have to positively embrace our negative emotions as a part of our living breathing experience. End quote. So the way Teal is presenting how that scene was portrayed and how I, a viewer, perceived it were completely differently because Teal's like, well, I said you can't run from your emotions and they're showing me running, so I look like a hypocrite. But in the audio that we actually hear, it's Teal saying you need to embrace your emotions and get them out energetically or else it will rot. And so when I saw that, I'm like, okay, she's moving her body. She's getting the emotions out. She's going for a run. As a viewer, I did not see that as a shot set up to make her look like a hypocrite. It looked like she she was practicing what she was preaching in that clip to get your emotions out energetically, not let them sit, not let them rot, move your body. Like That, that is how I perceived it as a viewer, as somebody who doesn't even particularly like Teal or all of the things that she teaches or the way she treats people. I did not see it as her being a hypocrite, but that's how she presents it to her audience on YouTube. Okay. This next one is also kind of confusing to explain, but I'm going to try my best. So bear with me. She's talking about one of the last scenes in episode four, the scene where she says, wow. Okay. By raise of hands, who here feels like they're in pain and there's no way out of it. They spliced a scene
1: of the audience raising their hands. That is unrelated to the question they showed me asking. They did this so they could get hands raised at the exact question they wanted. And again, they spliced an image of me making a smile at a different time into the scene to make it seem like the moral of the story is that I'm such a lonely, miserable person, that the way I get my closeness is by people being in pain.
0: She says that that was fake. And I'm trying to like add context and add details to try and make it make sense. Like I'm, tr- I'm trying to give a logical explanation of this, but I can't because she, she says what was shown was fake. And that's not what she said before all those people raised their hands that were shown in the documentary. But she literally asked the question. Teal said that at one point, and the scene of people raising their hands that was shown in the documentary, even if that's a different audience from a different time, the effect is still the same. Like even if it was a different amount of people who raised their hands or nobody at all who raised their hands which I don't think is the case like people are in pain and that's why they're seeking Teal out they have have a hurt they have something that they want fixed and so that's why they're going to Teal so most likely there's going to be at least one person in the audience who raises their hand but still even if she said that at one event and the hand raising scene is from a completely different event so what Maybe it was a better shot. Maybe it was a clearer shot. Maybe the lighting was better. And so that's why they used those hands as opposed to the hands that went up when you asked the question, like at the time that you asked that question. I don't understand the point of this because she still is the one who asked the questions. I'll show you. I'll show you the clip. (laughs)
1: of hands, who here feels like they're in pain and like there's no way out of it?
0: see what I mean? Like I'll give it to Teal that in the scene that they show in the deep end, it's filmed from behind. So you just see the back of her head while she's on stage. And it sounds like she's on stage saying that, but we don't actually see it coming from her mouth in that exact moment. So maybe there was some tricky editing there. However, based on watching this and her videos and hearing her speak, When she's on stage, I feel like she speaks a little bit more clearly and a little bit higher pitched than she typically does in scenes that are like in her house or having casual conversation. Those tend to be at a bit of a lower register and sometimes kind of hard to pick up just because it's like deeper and lower. And again, I have that cadence too. And so like I can pick up on it because we speak in a very, not not that we speak in a similar way, but the way that our voices are is kind of similar based on like what I've seen from her and all of the footage I've watched back of myself. So the way that she's speaking in that scene, it sounds to me like she is giving a presentation of some sort. She is doing some sort of public speaking. But regardless of that, the point remains. At some point, she asked that question. So what does it matter if she asked that question in that moment or at a different moment and people raised their hands at a, and they used footage of people raising their hands for something else as opposed to the same shot in which they filmed her asking the question. However, I will admit that it does look creepy. Like they set it up to be very ominous when she smiles as all those people are raising their hands and the music they use in the background. They knew what they were doing when they scored that scene. Anyway, the last thing Teal talks about is how the documentary makers showed Teal's followers that were included in the documentary. Teal implies that her followers were harmed by how the editing was done and how they were presented. But again, I've said this since the beginning, I did not pass any judgment on Teal's followers. I did not look at them like they were stupid or they were dumb or however Teal is wanting to say that they were shown. I didn't have any negative emotions attached to the people who were coming to Teal for help. When I saw those people and I heard them talk and I saw how they were presented in the documentary, I felt that they were people who were deep in pain and they were seeking answers and my heart went out to them. I felt for them. I hurt for them. And I hope that they're doing okay. Like I hope Teal is able to help them or was able to help them and they're doing better. But I do not think that by any stretch of the imagination, the documentary crew or the editors or anyone set out to make them look foolish or crazy or dumb or or however Teal wants to say that they were presented. But that's just how I viewed them. If you saw the documentary and you thought that they were portrayed in a negative light, do feel free to leave your comment down below if you're watching this on YouTube and and share how you felt that they were being shown. Anyway, that was the last point that Teal made in her response to episode four. So let's move on to the video that she put on YouTube claiming that she had unseen footage that was going to like debunk the entire documentary and change all of our minds. Basically, there were four situations that she had audio for. One was her interaction with Simon. Uh, Simon, if you don't remember, is the one who asked Teal if she respected anybody else enough that they could hold her accountable. And she was like, that's an interesting question. Why does that matter to you? And it was really just kind of tense. And you could tell that she was getting defensive with him asking her about that. Um, The second was, showing additional footage of water breath and like how you get prepped for it. The third was one of her conversations with Sabrina, who is the one who um, Teal told her that her parents don't love her and they ended up doing water breath on her. And she was the one who also said that her life is just kind of like a carousel of pain. Like she, she's hurting and she's sad and she's depressed and then she comes to an event and she feels a little bit better, but then she leaves and goes home and feels the exact same way. And so she's just like living for the next event or living for the next retreat because it gives her hope that things are going to get better, but then nothing ever really does. And then the last one is a, um, this is actual video of Bits who is one of the doc makers on stage. And that one, I'm going to include in also the Sabrina conversation. I'm going to show you the audio that Teal has for that because I think those two are the ones that did kind of give me like a little bit of a, huh, that's interesting. And we'll get to it when we show them. But as far as the interaction with Simon, um, it was just audio from that conversation. And I think... Most people understand that when you're watching a documentary, you're not getting the full context of everything and you're not getting the entire conversation. So it didn't surprise me to hear that what we saw in episode one of The Deep End was not the entirety of what was discussed in that conversation. There was some more, Teal played the audio, but it largely felt like the vibe was the same even though they had more to say to each other and they did say more to each other it didn't really change how i felt about teal's response to his question i'm gonna link the full video down below so you can go watch it if you want and you can make your own determination on if it changes your opinion but to me it wasn't anything super like revolutionary that you know busted the doors off of everything i thought about teal right It just, it just was like, oh, okay, yeah, there was more to the conversation. The next footage Teal has is actually video footage, and she's talking about water breath and basically wants to emphasize that the process is a lot more calm than what was shown in the deep end. And I do think there's a little bit of a point there, like, obviously, the the editors edited it to make it look really intense, and it is a really intense experience, However, when you don't have the music behind it, it gives a little bit of a different vibe like because Teal showed um, just like some behind the scenes stuff of like the people, the cameramen were in the pool watching, getting everything. And then she showed a demonstration of how water breath is done. And so you don't have the music, you don't have the underwater shots of Sabrina screaming. It feels a little bit different. However, my problem with doing water breath remains the same. Because my problem was Sabrina has real problems that she is seeking help from. You can't just say like, oh, well, water breath is going to change everything for you. And then when you're done with that process, you hear her say, I love you and be like, oh, it's fixed. See, she was upset and felt like she wasn't getting the help that she needed. And now she's telling me she loves me. So this was a successful thing, like, we did it, great job, guys, because of the nature of what water breath is. You're putting Sabrina or whoever you're doing water breath on, you are putting them in a fight or flight mode. You are activating their limbic system. You are throwing them just mentally completely out of whack. It's kind of like with um, doing breath work. Breath work is a spiritual practice that is very particular. It's very intense. If if you have a a good practitioner, they should never just say like, "Oh, here's a pre-recorded video of doing breath work." They should be doing it live so they can see how you are breathing and keep an eye on you because it's a very intense breath. You can go in and out very quickly, like you kind of alternate how you are breathing to put yourself in a heightened state of awareness. And I've done it before, so I know how it feels, and I can imagine how Sabrina felt in that situation where they're flipping her over, pushing her under, letting her come up, breathe, 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 and putting her back under one big breath, put her back under. So again, based on my own experiences, I can imagine how Sabrina felt, how her brain felt in that moment after doing the water breath. And how her brain felt in that moment is not how her brain is going to feel two hours from now, two days from now, two weeks from now, that's not going to stay with her. She's not going to constantly be feeling like she just had this massive revelation and unlocked a new shift in the matrix. Like that's not how she is going to feel. That is going to go away. Maybe she'll have a little bit more clarity. Maybe she'll feel like, okay, I, I had this pent up emotion and I was able to get it out. But doing water breath once is not going to change someone's life. It's a part of the puzzle. It's not the solution. And based on the, the audio clips that we're gonna hear from Teal, Teal admits that it's not the solution either. So that made me feel better. The issue that I had with the water breath, yeah, it was edited like in a really intense way and it made me very uncomfortable and all that. But at the core of it, I was like, I hope there's a follow-up. I hope there's more. Anyway, tying this into the next point, Teal shows Water Breath being a lot more calm than it was presented in The Deep End. It still makes me feel uncomfortable, but I understand why Teal included that. And it's just kind of like a thing where when you talk about it, yeah, you you take away the theatrics, things are going to look a little bit different. However, I still think a lot of people feel that maybe when Teal used it and the way that she used it as shown in The Deep End, maybe wasn't the best because. Sabrina's dealing with like real raw emotions and talking about how she might kill herself. And so when you take somebody who's in that state and you throw them into fight or flight, it's kind of tricky. Like it it gets a little bit messy. It feels like you're trying to manipulate her brain and throw her out of whack to kind of get her defenses down. That's how it felt to me. I could be completely wrong. Her motive could be completely different. It could have played out totally differently in real life than what was shown. But again, that's how I perceived it as a viewer. Anyway, now that we've gone over those two things, let's actually get into what Teal says and shows in her YouTube video with her own footage, because the second half, the Sabrina conversation and the footage of bits on stage were a little bit, um, I don't want to say like eye-opening, but I think they did add some interesting context that is important to consider, especially when consuming documentaries. The
1: third item of proof I'm going to submit to you is footage we took on our company camera of the interaction between myself and Sabrina, which is featured in episode three. The deep end set up a narrative that my work had harmed Sabrina, and that despite her saying that her life had gotten worse since working with me, I was simply unwilling to entertain the notion, because no one is allowed to question me. The deep end also set up the narrative that I am on a mission against people's families. They used Sabrina as the way to drive this idea home. But they had to intentionally edit it to look this way, when the reality is the opposite in fact. In the film, they edited the footage so that it seems like I tell Sabrina that her life has gotten better since doing my work.
0: Once again, Teal can say all she wants that she doesn't want to break families apart and that she wants to heal them and bring them together and whatever she wants to say about that. But we've seen her actions not be conducive to that thing happening. And so it makes it hard to take her word for it because she says like, Grazi's family blames me for the reason that they no longer have a relationship with her and the same thing's probably gonna happen with Juliana. So how do you explain that? If your mission is to reunify families and heal them and make them better, but all the people who are closest to you have fractured relationships with their families, how do we reconcile that? How do we make that make sense?
1: And she calls bullshit on it. Here's the clip from the deep end. Things fall apart because they were not true to you. Is my life better now? I don't feel that it is. That's but the thing. Ask you. That's the thing. Yeah. It is better? Actually, yes. That's bullshit.
3: <laughs>
1: Guess what? This never happened. Would you like to see how the conversation Actually went.
3: Is my life better now? I don't feel like it is. Yeah, That's the thing. Yeah. It is better? Actually, yes. Is it a lot bad feel like moved from the center? Okay, here's a question. This is not a direct reflection in your life, but here's a question. Let's that I work with a woman who's in a superly abusive relationship. She's got two little babies. She lives with a super abusive husband, but who just so happens to be very wealthy. Okay. Now, let's say she finds out this is not the right relationship for me and I need to, I need to get my kids out of this situation. And so she didn't use one of the workshops and she goes and she brings her two children to a safe house. Do you think she's telling herself two weeks into that situation that things are better?
1: No. That
3: her life is better? No. What is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just
1: takes And here's the part where you can see what Sabrina really said bullshit to.
3: because no, I do said mom her. <laughs> okay, so this is the thing. You can write that down. I don't want to be like my sick I'm not like her. I'm not like what? what if being a little bit more like her is what stood in between you and the life you want <laughs> oh, That's false. <cool. laughs> being more like her? Yep. Is <laughs> that what men want? No, I'm not telling the trend. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, wow. that just
1: that <laughs> yep, you just saw that. During that interaction, first, I was explaining how the process of healing and progress sometimes doesn't feel good, even though it improves your life. Second, I was teaching integration. Sabrina has had a very tense relationship with her stepmother, and I was asking her to entertain the notion that maybe if she took some qualities from her stepmother instead of disowning them, she would be better off. That's what she actually said bullshit to. And my facial reaction is exactly the same as they used in the deep end, from our own angle. That shows both the idea that we were having a fight over whether my processes work or not, and the idea that I'm out to destroy families dead in the water.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I don't think it it puts that idea dead in the water. I will disagree with that. But that is really interesting footage to see. To see additional context like that's this is what i've been asking for (laughs) since the beginning and i think the reason we haven't gotten it is because we don't have it for a lot of the things that teal is saying but if teal and her team were recording so much there should be so much more of this that should have gone into her responses to episodes one through four why was nothing like this included my opinion is because she doesn't have it. And that's why she focused on smaller things that people weren't actually upset about or why she just said like, well, that's not true. That was misleadingly edited and then didn't give us anything. But we can see here when she clearly has something, she's willing to put it out. She's willing to put it in a video. And so, I mean, that is very different. That conversation, having that extra info is so much different from what was shown in that particular scene. Like this footage doesn't take away the issues that I have in the scenes where no one can find Sabrina and they're searching for her. And Juliana is like trying to go to bat for Sabrina and Teal is saying it's like emotional blackmail and basically not saying super nice things about Sabrina.
3: Somebody in there? She said, literally, if I'm going home and I don't feel better, I want to kill myself. She said that.
1: I don't understand how to work with a person like that without the worst case scenario happening. Like she decides to commit suicide after she gets back in New York. And they're like, oh, last week she was at a sales farm workshop and it's all over the Mm -hmm. place, which is where they're taking me
3: so at the moment it's kind of a almost blackmailing victim control drama right you you choose either you help her or help them or your career
1: my problem is i want to work with them not like oh just don't the second someone says they're suicidal go the other way which is what i feel like the message is right now i refuse to do that i need you to find a way that i can do this
3: I, I just can't talk for myself. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but she is in a lot of resistance and a lot of pain. And basically, like, it scares her right now because there's no plan B. So she doesn't feel safe here which makes it more difficult. I get all that. I, I, We're also dropping
2: a ball here.
3: Teal meets everyone together and on the same page right now.
0: But it does give a different light to that particular conversation. And so I appreciate seeing stuff like that. Honestly, now that I think about it, hearing that additional context and the additional bits of that conversation, it makes me feel even more sympathetic for Sabrina because it shows that she's being open and she's being vulnerable and she's like pushing back on Teal and asking questions and she's, she's vulnerable with her. She's laughing with her. She likes Teal and she trusts her. And yet from the interviews that we heard from Sabrina, like fr- just from her, not in her interactions with Teal, just the things that she said to the crew, she's said that she hasn't gotten those answers and she hasn't made the kind of progress that she wants to make. And so that makes me feel really bad for her because you can tell she's, she's putting her all into this and she's being open and vulnerable and she wants it to work but for some reason she just hasn't found that solution and Teal hasn't been able to help her find that solution, just from what we've seen. And now you know
1: what some deliberately malicious editing can do.
0: This says bonus footage. So much of the deep end is deceptive and intentionally staged. Here's a bonus clip of the producer, Bits, on stage at one of our events in Tampa, Florida. She is deceiving the audience into thinking that she and the film crew love what I do and they are here to make a film that positively portrays my work. In this clip, she is shown wearing one of my frequency kimonos and manipulating the audience to behave in the way she wanted them to, in order to capture a specific shot that she and the director were intent on getting.
2: And now is a really good time to kind of get seated. Am I very loud? Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Bits, uh, and I'm working with the film crew who you'll see floating around. We've been filming Teals events for about two years now, and this is just an amazing, special group. It's, it's one of the, the most amazing kind of connective energies that we've seen and something that we always hope to immortalize when we come and film these events is the feeling of excitement and connection and whatever it is that people are coming with um when they come here so i know at the beginning teal entered through the back of the auditorium um we were
0: she put text on the screen that says actually dot 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 the decision to have Teal walk in through the back of the auditorium in the first place at this specific event was also the film teams. When not directed to do so by a film team, Teal enters her events from stage right or stage left.
2: Really hoping to be able to do that a second time uh, now after lunch and reinvigorate it afterwards. Um, and I would love to... to help- I think some folks are coming in, but I would just ask if folks can can stay where they're seated and not go into the aisles once you get started, that'd be super. Um, Quickly, just by show of energy, how are people feeling about coming back? (laughs) That's a really good start. Okay, if that's like a four... That's an energetic fool. Um, Okay, sweet. So in a couple minutes, um, we're going to have Teal come back out. And I would just encourage everyone. I know everyone is coming from a really different place. And and everyone brings a really special energy to these events. And I would love to just hear from you all, from whatever you have in you, how you feel about Teal, how much you love Teal, and how excited you are to come in today. So, uh, hey, David, let me know when we're good to go. It is is scary, by the way, in front of this many people, I will tell you. Everyone who comes on stage, hats off. Good to go? All right, team. Okay, if everyone can just get seated with your hands, voices, and energies together to welcome back to the stage, Let's <laughs> Ensoir! <laughs>
1: that I had been filming literally every single thing that they filmed for three years, including all of the personal life interactions that I had with my team and my friends.
0: Okay, so while I think there is maybe an element of going a little bit overboard and wearing one of Teal's frequency kimonos if you did not believe that she was this amazing leader and teacher and speaker and you just loved everything about her, maybe that was a little extra element of like, let's gas her up and, and I'll wear the frequency kimono on stage. But other than that, how would you expect a producer to act in that situation? They want a shot of people clapping and cheering for Teal. In all likelihood, at Teal's events, people probably do clap for her, but they wanted it like when she comes on stage, when she says something really interesting, when she asks a question, people are going to raise their hands, they're going to hoop and holler, they're going to clap, right? So those things probably happen already at her events, but because they are filming it, they want it to look good. They want a clear shot of that thing. And so how would you expect a producer to act? Would you want the producer to get on stage and be like, well, we aren't really sure how we feel about Teal. She might actually even suck, but we want to get a video of you guys clapping and cheering for her. So just like do it. When she walks in, she's going to walk in that way. I want you to do it. No, that, that, that's not going to make sense. That's not going to be anything helpful. That's going to put your attendees on edge. And I would hope that the the team who was producing this did not want to make the attendees feel awkward. They wanted them to feel comfortable and like they could hoop and holler and be excited and be however they wanted to be, despite the fact that a film crew was there. And so again, while I do think the personal interactions are questionable. I I understand why the crew might have done it. Again, assuming that this is done to help keep Teal's guard from being put too far up so that way she doesn't block you out of certain things or that way she's more open with you. I question it a little bit because it's manipulative and I don't love manipulative behavior, but I understand why the crew would have done it. Let's hear the rest of what Teal has to say.
1: my family members, so that I could physically show you the difference. Because the difference that you would have in front of you would be as drastically different or even more so than what they showed you in the deep end. The director, John Casby, has been admitting in his public interviews that he didn't edit this film to show the audience what actually happens on a day-to-day basis. What he says is that he edited it to show the audience what things felt like to him specifically. So... Here's my question to you, having heard and seen it, the unedited versus the edited, does it feel the same to you? Does it feel the way he cut it in the deep end? Or did he manage to fool you at the expense of myself and the expense of everyone featured in this TV series? Nothing I will be able to dig up as proof can do for you what seeing the actual footage that the director and producer and film team shot will do for you. So I must ask you to please share this video with the people that you know so that the media does not keep getting away with this kind of absolute abuse and so that we can put pressure on them to show the actual unedited footage that they filmed and use the hashtag, hashtag release the footage. Thank you.
0: The last thing I will address is Teal saying that John Casby is giving interviews saying that he didn't edit things to show how they actually were, but to show how they felt at the time. I haven't seen that. I mean, I'll keep looking and see if I can find where he said that. It might have been in a like podcast interview that he's done, and so I just haven't listened to it yet, but I did find a really interesting article from the Utah Review, and in it They talk about the entire process, how long they were filming, how the editing went, like, all this kind of stuff. And here's a really interesting excerpt from that article. Quote, Indeed, given how Casby thoroughly and clearly explained the documentary process, watching Swan's reactions to the series is surprising on one hand, but not so much on the other. Quote, I don't think we can be too surprised. Her response to the series aligns closely with the way she treated other people who either disagree with what she is doing or people who have been a part of it and then left, end quote, he says. Quote, there is a pattern here of creating false narratives to discredit people who have alternative perspectives to teal, end quote. That's Casby saying that. The article goes on to say Casby encourages viewers to watch the reaction videos. Quote, they're very telling countless people reached out to me saying we watched the deep end and it was amazing and it left me feeling so conflicted and there were times when I really disliked teal and there were other times when I really empathized with her and then I saw her reaction videos and now I have no doubt about what this is end quote meanwhile Swan has asked her supporters to join in demanding the production team release all of the footage her tone in making that request strikes as out of character for her given the poise and control she displays in the series that evidences the emotional intelligence casby already has described. Any additional footage made public likely would be far more damning than what has already been presented in the series. Quote, there was a lot of material we did not put in because it was so triggering and so disturbing that we didn't feel like it was right to put it in the show. End quote, he says. And as Casby explains, such a request sets a dangerous precedent anytime a subject of a documentary doesn't like the way they look on camera and doesn't like the things they did on camera to demand that all the raw footage is released. Casby astutely prepared for such concerns by raising the relevant questions with the editors, quote, Teal is someone you can't edit to be Teal because she is who she is and she's not ashamed of herself and she's not embarrassed by it, end quote. He adds, quote, this reaction actually has been really surprising because she is usually quick to own her personality, to own her boldness, and to own what separates her from other spiritual teachers, end quote. So I thought that was interesting. Of course, that's just John Casby's side of the story. That's his opinion. But I found it very interesting that he said, the things that we left out were a lot more triggering and would be a lot more damning for Teal than the stuff that we included. And that he was surprised that she was so upset with how she was presented because you can't edit Teal to be Teal. That's just how she is. And she's bold and unapologetic. So I'll link that article down below in case you want to take a look at it. Now, having gone over all of that, we are finally at the end of Teal's responses to the deep end. We went through episode by episode. I wanted to give her a chance to share her perspective and her side of things, and I do think it's interesting to kind of discuss how she responds and the ways in which she defends herself and how effective those may or may not be. But regardless of that, my main issue with Teal Swan remains, and it's the issue that I spoke about in the very first video I did about Teal. And it's the stories that she tells about her childhood and the way that she speaks about recovered memories and how intent she seems to be on other people having experienced these traumatic things that they are now repressing and she needs to uncover because of the implications that recovering those memories has on those people, on her followers and the ways that it impacts them themselves, how they view themselves, how they view what happened to them or didn't happen to them, how they interact with their family members. I'm glad we went through her responses. I'm glad we got to have these conversations. And I do think there were certain things that Teal made good points about, I guess. Not a ton, but I do understand how, um, like as a typical person who's not psychic, you would feel betrayed if somebody told you we love you. You're amazing. Happy birthday. Like they sent her birthday messages, the producer and the team that was working on the film. Like they sent her video messages. They spent Christmas together one year. I understand how you have that experience. And then you see what's presented in the deep end. And you're like, I thought you were going to make me look amazing, but you criticized me. Although John Casby says that he told Teal They were going to follow two paths. They were going to follow her perspective and the perspective of her critics and see how those interact with each other. So according to him, he was upfront about it, but I can see how her feelings would have been hurt if she believed that they were genuine and all the things that they were saying to her. And then she saw the deep end, which wasn't always super flattering to her. So anyway, it's an interesting conversation to have, and I'm glad we got to hear her side of it, but... Once again, it doesn't really change the way that I perceive her or the concerns that I have about how she got her start in this business and how she treats people because she can say, oh, there was an explanation or they took that out of context, XYZ, whatever. But like at the end of the day. Even if they put that audio in a different scene or a different context, you still said the thing. With that, we're going to come to a close on Teal Swan for now. I know there's additional footage and additional clips that she has put out on YouTube saying that like, these are groundbreaking clips. They're going to change your mind about everything. I've seen some of them. They don't really change my mind about everything. They do add additional context or they add um, like additional parts of a conversation that were maybe cut out. But they don't change the entirety of how that conversation makes someone feel. It's just like, oh yeah, they did edit that conversation to be shorter, but... The main point of that conversation is still the same. This has definitely been an interesting topic to talk about on my channel because it's not just like a singular event happened and I'm like, hey, look at this, let's chat about it. It's like a million different things swirling around. And you know, when you make um a, like a, a homemade tornado with a two liter bottle and you have the little connector and you put glitter in there and you swish it and you watch it, it's like that. All the little complexities of Teal Swan are those glitter flecks spinning around in your homemade tornado. And you gotta try and make sense of them and figure them out. And so like I said, it's been really interesting. Thank y'all so much for going along with me for the ride. Let me know if you have any other things that you want to say about teal or any other issues you have or um, things that maybe changed your mind that were included in this one that made you feel a little bit differently towards her. I would love to hear them. Uh, Do that if you're watching on YouTube or you can leave a comment in the Q&A section if you are listening on Spotify. Also, I have started posting on TikTok. I finally caved. I'm finally on there. I've avoided TikTok for as long as I could, but somehow it just, it suckered me and it pulled me in. But I am posting over there, um, mostly stuff related to the topics that I talk about on my channel. So if there's like a quick update for something or especially like so far, what I've posted about is Brittany Dawn because a lot of people were talking about James and the potentially fraudulent GoFundMe situation. So I was like, hey, let me put this up here real quick so I can give some context because a lot of people were talking about it. So it's going to be a lot of stuff like that, but feel free to go over and follow me on TikTok if you want. I'll put a link in the description box. And uh, while you're doing that, if you would consider liking this video or subscribing to my channel, or if you are listening to the podcast, if you would leave a rating and a review, that would be incredible. And if you have done any of those things already, thank you so much. I am so appreciative of you. And I love being able to just sit here hang out with you and talk about whatever. Thank you so much for watching. Please be kind to people and I will see you in the next one. Bye.